morning. It's so great to see you here today. My name is Michael and I serve with our creative team. And my name is Hannah and I serve with our student life team here at a West Chicago campus. Michael, happy Father's Day. Thank you, thank you very much. I'm celebrating with my three kids today, Timothy, Madeline, and Henry. And they really are like the cutest kids. I'm not even kidding. So if you've seen them like running around the church, precious. Yeah, they, I mean, I'm biased, but you yeah, are, they are. You are, but it's okay, it's okay. I will affirm your bias. I'm really excited. We're gonna be hosting their friends at our house this week for a neighborhood Bible club. No way, I bet they're pumped. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be really cool. When we bought our house about two years ago, mm -hmm. I remember seeing the backyard and just imagining a backyard Bible club. So uh, it's gonna be really good to get to know our neighbors a little bit better, um, have all those kids over at our house. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, neighborhood Bible clubs really is the best way to get to know your neighbors, right? And this year, friends, it is so simple to sign up. All you have to do is go get more details at our website, wheatonbible.org volunteer. You can sign up for your club and then pick up all of your supplies from the Kids Life desk. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's so simple this year. Yeah, I, I, you can ask me next week. I'll let you know how simple it was. <laughs> um, right now, we are about a quarter of the way through an all-church Bible reading plan. Now, if you've missed a few weeks or you're hearing about it today for the first time, here's what it is. As a church, we're reading through the whole Bible across two years. There's about two chapters per day. And if you want to join in, you can get the plan or find the companion daily devotionals at wheatonbible.org resources. Well, friends, that's all for today. Thank you so much for spending part of your weekend with us, and we hope you have an amazing week. Happy Father's Day. Bye. Good morning, Wheaton Bible Church. I'm going to ask you to stand. Welcome to worship both here in person and if you are joining us online, welcome as well. Uh, it's good to be the church and to be together to worship King Jesus. We want to say again, Happy Father's Day to those of you who are fathers and we're praying you have an amazing day in His presence, that you would know Him, delight in Him, uh, and rest in Him today. So here are these words from Psalm, uh, Psalm 34 verses 1 to 3, and let them call you to worship the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. And oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Shelters thee under his wings, Jesus. 
Jesus. 
seat at church. Romans 5 verse 12 reminds us, therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace in the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if, if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the grace that you lavished on us through Jesus Christ, for the salvation that we have received, the forgiveness of sin. We run to you. We trust you. How wonderful the mystery of the gospel. And we sing it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with us? Let's sing this together. See the true and better at 
Did you know that there are three primary reasons why we worship the Lord? There are many reasons why we worship the Lord, but there are three primary reasons why we worship the Lord. Number one is because He deserves the glory. Amen? Number two, because we respond to Him revealing Himself to us. Amen? But number three, because we are quick to forget. See, part of the reason why we need to worship the Lord is because we need to remind ourselves of who he is. So I don't know how your week was. I know how my week was, but I could tell you before the Lord that there were many times in which I myself, the preacher, forgot who the Lord is. That remembering, singing, worshiping is one of those spiritual disciplines that we ought to practice because the Lord deserves it. Because we're responding to his revelation, but number three, because we need it. 
Did you know that there's another spiritual discipline that we ought to practice that help us remember who he is? And it's the spiritual discipline of giving. See, we give because we need to remember that the Lord is the one that provides everything. See, we need to give because we need to remember that we depend on him. See, we need to give because it's an act of adoration and also a spiritual discipline that help us remember that he is God and that everything belongs to him and we give him back what he has already given us. The reason why I'm saying that is because we truly believe that the best thing that you could do for your heart, besides worshiping and praying and reading the Bible and come to church, is actually giving, being a generous Christian. So first of all, if you're one of the, the believers that have been supporting the church for so long, we want to thank you and we want to invite you to continue to give. But if that's not one of your spiritual practices, if you're not worshiping the Lord like that, I want to invite you to participate in that because you need it. God does not need our money, but we do need to give. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you because everything that you request of us is not just because we want to give you glory and you deserve glory. It's not just because it is good for others uh, that we do this, but it's also because it's good for us. There is nothing, Lord, you ask us to do that at the end of the day is not for your glory and good for us. And I thank you, Lord, that you are a generous God. And the reason why we give gen um, with generous hearts is because you are a generous God. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, those that are struggling financially. I pray that you provide. I thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters that sustain the church financially. But I also pray, Lord, for us as a church that you continue to work in us and through us. So we give you glory in everything, including our finances. We come before you, Lord, knowing that this week brought different things to us, and we need you. Part of the reason why we're here, Lord, is because we need you. Please reveal yourself to us. Please speak into our hearts. Transform our minds. Affect our wills. Because there's nothing, nothing better than to live for you. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And we all say... Now I want to invite you to watch this video. Um, I think he's um, kind. He likes to help others and he, um, he understands what you're saying and if he doesn't get it, he'll like ask questions and understand more about you. He likes reading to me. Que me lleva donde yo quiero y que me lleva donde mi familia a comer ice cream. Um, he's patient even when I make jokes about his Green Bay Packers obsession. Me gusta que él hace, él hace cosas chistosas. He loves me. He's the best dad. <laughs> so he's the best dad and he take care, takes care of us. He works a lot. He works a lot for our whole family. Me gusta como mi papá el amor que tiene por Cristo y como él expresa el Evangelio en los diferentes ámbitos de su vida. También me gusta mucho que sabe hacer buenas comidas, sabe cocinar. 
when he tries to get me when when he when he runs and he and he tries to get me um que me lleva a pescar I love about when he kisses me and he hugs me sometimes at home at my house we play like this game called Tipple Monster Sometimes we go to the park and sometimes we see movies. He goes to the park with me. We get to spend time. He makes funny jokes. Well, sometimes he makes some faces that are really funny. My brother, he makes other faces too that makes me laugh, but my dad, I think he does the best faces that makes us laugh. Él se viste bien funny y tenemos una pijama que él se pone que es bien chistoso. ¿Qué hace chistes de mi abuela y mi perro? Lo mismo. Um, the funniest thing about him is that he thinks he's funny, even though we don't think he's funny sometimes. Él también es muy gracioso y también um, muy serio cuando se trata de cosas serias. Es muy responsable también y así también quisiera ser yo. Isn't that a great thing? How about we give glory to God? All right, so happy Father's Day for those of you that are great-grandfathers, grandfathers, fathers, or spiritual fathers. Um, traditionally, we never preach, a, we have never, I think, at least as far as I know, at least in the time that I've been part of the church, I don't remember us ever preaching a sermon about fathers on Father's Day. Um, part of the reason I have to say is part of my fault uh, because I usually, um, I, I, I don't want to talk about fathers for some reason. Maybe, uh, maybe because I don't want to be confronted with some stuff. Maybe because I don't think it's important. On the other hand, I think I was wrong. I, uh, actually, a bunch of us pastors here in the church, for some reason, have felt this year, and we understood that it was needed for us to preach a sermon on Father's Day about fathers. And there's many reasons for that. Part of the reason is because I was wrong, and it is important. And actually, I have to throw Rob under the bus because he's guilty as well. He didn't think that it was important, right? Um, so today, I want to talk about fathers. And um, why is it that that call is such an important call? And why is it that the Lord made some of us uh, fathers, right? So the rest of the church might be thinking, oh my goodness, so why am I here? You know, is this going to be a sermon only for that, so why am I here? And I'm going to try to answer that this way. If you have a father, this sermon is for you. And you have to have a father, because if not, you wouldn't be here. So this sermon is for you. Maybe I'm giving you something for you to learn and something to pray for, maybe, for your father, right? If you have a good father, um, I want to show you that his goodness, where his goodness comes from. Because he's a good father, not because he's awesome, but because he's imitating the father of fathers. If you are planning to become a father at one point, God willing, it is better that you understand what God requires of you before you become a father, not like the rest of us did. 
if you are a female and you're planning to get married one day and have kids, God willing, I want to paint the picture of the men you should be praying for and you should be looking for, trusting in God's sovereignty. And lastly, if you grew up or are growing up, for the younger people, with an absent father like I did, I want you to stay with me until the end of the sermon. Because even if we grow up without fathers, everything that I'm going to talk about is about the father of fathers. Is the father that we all need at the end of the day. So I, I, I think that I cover most of us here. And now let's get into the text. So we're going to be reading today Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to ask you to please stand for the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And if you're still here, please say, I'm here. I'm here. This is the word of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Lord, we pray that as we open up a scripture this morning, or we continue to open up a scripture this morning, you, you make it clear to us, those of us that are fathers who will become fathers at one point, and those of us that are spiritual fathers already, how important is this calling? And I pray, Lord, that as we dig into scripture, we may be, we may be confronted with the reality of our hearts but also the beauty of this gift. Please make it clear to us. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus and the churches. You may take a seat. All right, so today I have a statement for you, and I'm going to break the statement down for you. And this is a statement. The father is an imperfect shepherd in need of a perfect father. Let me say that again. If you're into social media, you could tweet that. The father is an imperfect shepherd in need of a perfect father. So the question that we got to start with is, what's a father? Um, but before I explain that, let me give you uh, what I think is the biblical definition of parenting. In order for us to, be, to understand what a father is, I think that first we need to understand what the Bible says about parenting. So, and this one, I'm going to speak to all parents for a second. A father and a mother are people placed by God within the context of a family with a spiritual authority to give, protect, and teach their children until they become adults. That's an important sentence right there. And after they become adults... The parents move from being spiritual authority to being spiritual influencers. I'll say it again. A father and a mother are people placed by God within the context of a family. 
as the people with spiritual authority to guide, protect, and teach their children until they become adults. And after children become adults, the parents move from being a spiritual authority to be spiritual influencers. The reason why I start with that is because some of us have little kids, and some of us have older kids, and some of us have really old kids. And we don't treat all of our kids the same because we need to pay attention to where they are in life. So the, young, the younger your child is, the more authority you have. But the older they get, the less authority you have, and the more your role change into become an influencer and an example. This is the reason why the text here, Paul starts by saying this, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Notice that Paul does not say, obey your fathers and your mothers. You got to ask the question, why? Well, because there's different ways to honor your parents. And there's different ways for me to honor my mother in this case. See, for example, as a father, my daughters, still underaged, honor me and my wife by listening to us and by being obedient to us. You know why? Because they are not adults yet, and we are paying for the bills. Nobody's going to argue that. That's how they best honor us in light of what the Scripture says. But the way I honor my mom is completely different. My mom is in her 70s, and she doesn't mind that I share that with you. Um, but the way I honor my mother is not by obeying her. Actually, if I obey everything my mom says, you should question how healthy my relationship is with her, and my wife should question how healthy my relationship is with my mom, don't you think? Let's say that Heidi says something like, Hannibal, we should do this. And I say, let me check with my mommy. <laughs> that will be an issue, don't you think, ladies? So the way we honor our parents have to do a lot with the age in which we find ourselves. So for under-age kids, before becoming adults, you honor your parents by listening and obeying. But the older we get, we honor our parents by taking into consideration their opinion, by listening to them, and by letting them know that they have an important place in our lives. That's parenting. But what I want you to see, though, is that Paul moves from parenting in the entire text to speaking to fathers. And this is what he says in verse 4. Fathers. And then he says, do not exasperate. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. But this is important because you got to ask the question, why is it that Paul moves from parenting to speaking to fathers? And the reason, and of course, I'm, 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 this is what I think the Bible says, is because even though both parents are co-laborers at home, and even though both parents are responsible at home, and even though both parents have an important role in the life of the child at home, the father is the first among equals in this equation. The father, because of creation order, is given by God the spiritual authority at home, and by the way, at church. 
The father represents the family. The father leads by example. The father exercises sacrificial love. Anytime you find leadership position in the Bible, it's always like this. It's always to lead by example. It's always to lead by sacrificial love. It's always to represent the rest of the group. This is why I know and I think that both roles, mother and father, are just as important at home. But because we are talking about Father's Day, this is, just, this is the reason why talking about fathers is so important. Let me give you a definition of what a father is based on Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. Whoever wants to become great, whoever wants to have a position of leadership, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. That's a father. And whoever wants to be first, father, must be a slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to, but not, uh, come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. You want to know what a father is? A father is a man that shares leadership at home with his wife. But he's responsible to exercise sacrificial love, to serve and to protect. See, a father is not a person at home that gets to boss people around, even though that would be super cool. But that's not what the Bible says. A father in the Bible is someone that loves, serves, protects, and sacrifices for the family. That's what it means to be a spiritual authority at home. You have no idea how countercultural this was when Paul was writing this to the Ephesians. See, in that culture and that time, a Roman empire, Roman world, they also saw their father as the head of the family. They also saw the father as a quote-unquote leader in the family. But their leadership was completely different. See, in the Roman world, the father not only had the right to punish their children, but he also had the right to execute their children. And they also, they also had the right to sell their kids as slaves if they wanted to. And Paul comes preaching the gospel and painting a picture of a completely different society. A society in which men also can be the head and also can be leaders at home, but a different kind of leadership. One that leads, but leads by loving, serving, protecting, and sacrificing. Completely countercultural. I want to argue that this is also counterculture today. For many men, maybe not inside the church, maybe, maybe outside the church, but men that think that you're supposed to work and you get home and now you take a break. Who told you that lie? See, I've always seen that as a father and as a husband, I finish my full-time job here, I go home and I start my part-time. Because I am called as a father and as a husband to love, serve, protect, and sacrifice. God is not calling us fathers to that, to that specific role because we are intrinsically morally superior. I hope you know that. I hope you know that the Lord is not calling us to this, giving us this call because we are more capable than a woman. I hope you know that. 
Actually, I find it super interesting that just in case any father reading this says, oh, look at me. Father is about, uh, Paul is about to bring you down really fast because he's going to remind us that as great as our call is, we're still imperfect. You know, it's the first thing Paul says to fathers. Verse 4, do not exasperate your children. The word exasperate can be translated in different ways. It actually can be translated as do not provoke your children to anger or do not make your kids angry for unjustifiable reasons. But just don't get them upset for no reason. And you got to stop and ask the question, why would Paul say that as the first thing? So let me give you this illustration, maybe you understand it. Have you guys ever been in a place in which you find a sign that says, do not do something? Do you know why those signs are there? Because someone already did that. So for example, I just went on vacation with my family and at the airport, that's why I look extra crispy by the way. Um, at the airport, um, we're picking up our luggage, uh, luggage and we notice that there is a sign by the belt where you pick your luggage that says, do not sit on the belt. <laughs> do you know why that sign is there? Because someone that has been traveling for maybe four or five hours in an airplane, for some reason, is still tired. And they go to pick the luggage, and for some reason, they think that the, the smartest thing to do is to sit on a moving belt. <laughs> Have you ever seen a sign that says, do not plug anything into this electric outlet? Yeah. Some of them tell you, you will be electrocuted. Why do you think that a sign is there? Because someone already did that. Why do you think that Paul is calling fathers to not exasperate their children? Because there's a tendency in our hearts to do just that. And I know that some of the kids here present, they're like, amen, preacher. Word, that's the way they say it. And I think that as fathers, we have to recognize that there's this temptation to misuse the authority the Lord has given us by making irritating and unreasonable demands sometimes. Don't you think? That sometimes we use our words instead of for edification, for sarcasm, or to ridicule our kids unintentionally sometimes that sometimes instead of loving sacrificing serving sometimes it is easier to be unkind and impatient you know i hate the fact that the lord says that to us but i welcome it because he reminds me that i am still imperfect See, I think that part of the reason why Paul starts like this is because he wants us to remember that we're still imperfect. See, I think that part of the reason why the Lord is telling the entire church family this is so the church family has no unrealistic expectations of fathers. See, I think that this is the, re the reason why Paul is saying all of this is so us fathers could do a self-assessment. 
See, I think that Paul is saying all of this to us fathers today is because maybe, 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 just maybe on Father's Day we ought to celebrate, go out and have a nice lunch, probably get a nice gift, but if you check your heart, you probably, probably might need to repent and ask for forgiveness. Did you know that one of the ways in which we lead our homes is not just by loving, serving, protecting, and sacrificing, but one of the ways we lead at home is by being vulnerable before our children and letting them know how much we have messed up. And we keep on going. See, one of the best ways I lead my daughters, two daughters, is by letting them see and know that I am still in the process of sanctification. That I'm not a done deal yet. They have things to pray for for me. They are called to exercise grace to me. But I'm also called to check what's in my heart. Happy Father's Day! <laughs> Thankfully, Paul does not stop there. Because Paul not only knows that Father is a spiritual person, spiritual authority person, and also that he's imperfect, but also that he's a shepherd. This is the reason why verse 4 says that fathers, I'll, I'll explain that in a second, are to contribute to bringing their children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Notice that I said that we are partners in this. This is not the responsibility of the father alone, and this is not the responsibility of the mother alone. We are co-laborers, partners in raising our children up, but because um, Paul is addressing fathers, I have to address, address fathers. And here as shepherds, Paul says that we have two responsibilities. Number one is to feed or nourish our children by training them, says the text. By the way, that's the definition of the word, to bring them up in the, in the training. It means to feed or to nourish our kids, both physically and spiritually. And I think that what Paul has in mind here is that he wants us to recognize that as fathers, we have to provide not just physically, but spiritually. That this is not just the responsibility of a mother. Look, the reason why I'm saying that is because in my time as a pastor, I have seen two mistakes in the church. Listen up, church, and if you disagree, please let me know. I think that the mistake that we have made in the church is to think that to nourish spiritually is the job of the father alone. I don't think that the Bible says that. But the other mistake we have made is to assume that the, that the responsibility of nourishing the kids spiritually belongs to the mother, which I don't think that the Bible says that either. Part of the reason why I think Paul is saying this to fathers is because in that culture and in that time, fathers would say, that's your mom's deal. She prays, she reads the Bible, she takes you to church, she does whatever. And Paul says, no, 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 no. This belongs to both of you. You are co-laborers and partners in ministry. 
You both raise your kids. The man is not allowed to say, that's not my responsibility. But as shepherd, we not only nourish in instruction and teach a disciple, but we also discipline. Because that's what the word there, instruction, means. The word instruction in the text means to discipline. To discipline verbally, and if it's required, and I know that someone is going to get uncomfortable here, if it's required, to discipline physically. Now, this is what is interesting. Both John Calvin, um, let me see if I can find the text here, and William Hendrickson, when they translated this verse, They say that the way a father does this is with gentleness and tenderness. I think that that's an important thing to keep in mind. Because even as we discipline our kids, we do it with gentleness and tenderness. We're not disciplining our kids because we want our will to be done. But because it's the best thing for them. We're not disciplining our kids because we are tired and we cannot take it anymore, but we discipline our kids because it's the best thing for them. We're not disciplining our kids because as a reaction, but because it is the best thing for them. We bring discipline at home even if it hurts them and it hurts us because our primary responsibility as parents is to represent the Lord. Now, this is... Super, super interesting. And I want you to catch this if you're a father or if you're a husband. Paul here uses the same term to talk about the relationship between a husband and a wife. In this text, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29, it's written to a couple. And he says that the responsibility of the husband is to treat his wife and to feed her and care for her. Once again, this is completely countercultural. This is Paul painting a picture of a husband and a father that is different to the husband and the father of that time. And it's only when we do that that we're actually raising and training our kids and bringing up our kids as representatives of the Lord. Listen up, church. As a father, how I exercise my spiritual authority at home should be a reflection of the Lord. How I nourish my daughters and how I discipline my daughters should be a reflection of the Lord. What I do and what I don't do as a Christian father, at the end of the day, is not about me. It's about my daughters knowing, worshiping, and obeying the Lord. What you do as a great-grandfather, as a grandfather, as a father or spiritual father, at the end of the day, is not about you. It's about the Lord. The best thing that we can do for our kids is not the education we give them. The best thing that we do for our kids is not that we take them to play sports. 
The best thing that we do for our kids, kids is not that we buy them a lot of toys. The best thing that we do for our kids is not that we help them become better people. The best and most crucial thing we do for our, for our kids is to point them to Jesus, to fall in love with Jesus, to worship Jesus. If as a father, at the end of my days, I can accomplish that, I failed as a father. Do you know why? Because I only have my daughters for a fragment of time. But Jesus, they will get forever. Because I could only love them in a very limited way, in an imperfect love. But in Jesus, not only they get perfect love, but they get someone forever. Because I could only protect them so much but Jesus can protect them forever. Because there's only, I, there's only so much that I can do for them and sacrifice for them. And I don't have the ability to die for their sins. But Jesus can. Because I could only love them as much as I can, but I cannot save their soul. But Jesus can. As good as a father's, we want to be. Everything good we do is just but a shadow of the goodness of Jesus. Don't you think that that's a great responsibility? Doesn't that make you shake a little bit? It makes me shake a little bit. How do we accomplish that then, fathers? How do we become more and more the fathers that we're supposed to be? How do we live out what we, our beautiful call? Well, we need to remember this, that we are fathers, let me skip this, that are imperfect, that are shepherds, but that at the end of the day, we are fathers in need of a perfect father. And this is where Jesus comes in. See, when you read the epistles, you always had to follow the order of the, of, the, of, the, of the text, of the letter, actually. Paul, and I want to invite you to check that whenever you want to, Paul always writes the same way. In every single one of the epistles he wrote, he always writes the same way. Every epistle is divided into two sections. The first section of the epistle is always about Jesus, who Jesus is, how Jesus died, and who we are in Jesus. This is called the indicatives of the gospel. So Paul, in this letter from chapter 1, 2, and 3, it's all about Jesus, all about the gospel. The second part of the epistle is always about the imperatives of the gospel, of the things that we live out in light of who we already are in Jesus Christ, the effects of the gospel. It is within this understanding and context that Paul is talking to parents and to fathers. The question is, why? Why would Paul talk about the gospel first and then calls us to be good fathers? The answer is simple. Because it is what Jesus did for us in the cross the motivation and the power to be able to live what he calls us to live. 
This is the reason why at the beginning of all this section, in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So here's a question for you that are fathers this morning. If you want to become more and more a loving father, what do you need first? You need to remember how loved you have been. That because of what Jesus did at the cross, because he lived, died, and resurrected on your behalf, you are a dearly loved child of God. We give our kids what we already have. Question number two. What do you need in order for you to become more and more a sacrificial father? Well, you first need to see, accept, and believe, and understand how much God your father was willing to sacrifice for you. See, God the Father did not give you his leftovers. He gave you his best, his son. The one that at the cross lost for a fragment of time his father so you wouldn't be fatherless. See, we give our kids what we already have. Question number three. What do you need to become more and more a gentle father? Can you see how kind and gentle God was with you? Instead of punishing you and I, he took the penalty of our sin upon his son. We give our kids what we already have. Is it possible for a father to become someone like the father described in Ephesians chapter 6? I think so. See, when Jesus died, he not only died for the penalty of your sin, the consequence of your sin, but he died to break the power of sin in your heart. So let me put it super clear. There is no father here present that is done already, that is perfect. We're all going to struggle. And yet, because of what Jesus did and the power of the Spirit living in us, it is possible to grow as good fathers. It doesn't matter if you hurt your kids years ago. There's still a chance to restore that. It doesn't matter if you're messing up today as a father. There's still a chance to restore that. It doesn't matter... If you grew up, or is a person like me that grew up without a dad, you must know this, that even when our fathers, earthly fathers, fail us, God our Father never does. You know what saved me? Is that God allowed me to see him as a father. If that's your case, come to him. He is the father that you have been looking for. And for the rest of us, let's just give our kids what we already have. Amen? Now, happy Father's Day. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for the atoning work of Jesus Christ.
Lord, we are grateful that we have the freedom to recognize that we are imperfect fathers. We are grateful that we don't have to pretend to have it all together. We are grateful, Lord, that you still confront us because you want us to grow, to be the fathers that we're supposed to be. Lord, I'm so grateful for this beautiful calling you've given some of us. Please help us live that out. And for the rest of the church, Lord, I pray that you help us. Pray for our fathers so they become the men that we are called to be. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And the church says? Man, church, let's stand together. Let's respond to his word by reading responsibly Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, and in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. To the, the praise, praise of, of his, his glory. glory. Let's praise and worship our Father and Creator and King. Of our God and King, lift up your voice and 
Before finishing our service, I have a couple of things for you. Number one, I want to remind you that as a staff, we love to pray for you and we love to pray with you. So if you have prayer requests, please let us know. Um, I can guarantee you that on Tuesday, someone is going to be praying for you and your request. Number two, I don't know if uh, many of you already noticed, but this past Tuesday, we sent uh, an email to you with a survey. Um, this is basically what we're trying to do as a church. We, we need to find out where the church is. We need to find out who our church is. We don't know who is around and who is not. We want to know how you are emotionally and spiritually and physically. Uh, we're just seeking out information from the church so we know how to best serve you for the near future. So if you, go, um, if you don't have that email, you could always go to our website, wittenbible.org slash survey. Um, if you don't want to do it digitally, but you want to do like the regular OA, there's a copy for you of that survey at the front desk as you uh, leave the church. Amen? How about if now we receive the blessing that our Father God wants to give us because of what Jesus did? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And the church says, Thanks for coming. We love you, church. You are sent. Happy Father's Day again. Thank you.